From Murphy to Mancio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. This week on the podcast, we visit with Randy Denton, a 2014 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer. Randy, who was born in Raleigh, graduated from Enloe High School, where he played football, basketball, and ran track. He went on to play basketball at Duke University for Coach Vic Bubis and was a first-team All-ACC selection in 1971. Following his time at Duke, he went on to play professionally both in the States and in Italy. We talk about all of that. We talk about the records that Randy still holds at Duke and look at the game of basketball through his eyes. This week on the podcast, a 2014 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Randy Denton. Randy, thank you so much for the time, and welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you having me speak. Let's start here. You're a Raleigh guy. You're born in Raleigh, went to Enloe, graduated from Enloe. You played a bunch of different sports. Why did you eventually settle on basketball? Well, it goes back to being when I was about 12 years old. I was obviously I was the very biggest kid around in the neighborhood. And, and I'll tell you a story. It's kind of funny. I was taking piano lessons. My mother insisted that I do that. My next-door neighbor was a grade ahead of me and told the junior high coach, uh, in fact, it was Hugh Morrison Junior High School, which is not even there anymore, but that's also in East Raleigh, told the coach, he had a guy, a guy about 6'2", that should try out. So I tried out and barely made the team. I gave up the piano, much of my mother's uh, disappointment, <laughs> and it, it kind of went from there. Uh, I, I, I needed I needed some guidance and some hard work from a coach to kind of Kind of put that into me. So I got through junior high school, but I went to Enloe for five years. Um, and I had a wonderful coach there named Howard Hurt, who also played at Duke, as a matter of fact. He graduated in 61. He was the difference between me kind of getting my act together and really pushing. Because he said, if you go to co- when you go to college, uh, if you go, it's going to be a lot of competition. It's a big step up. And uh, he worked with me this summer, a couple of years when I was 17, 18 years old. Um, Chris, my dad loved Duke and my dad died when I was 17 and luckily I was offered a scholarship by Duke and that's really why I went between Coach Bubis and Howard Hurt, who played for Coach Bubis, that's how I ended up at Duke. Uh, you were recruited though by over 200 schools your junior and senior year though, right? That is correct. Um, I was going through some stuff about a year ago and I found a box that my mom had kept with all the envelopes and with letters inside. It was pretty impressive and flattering to read those letters they were full they were basically full scholarship offers uh i, I traveled to davidson when lefty Trussell was there that's the only trip i ever made and uh that that's why i stayed local but yeah you're right i had uh, probably 300 offers from colleges across the country wow yeah, obviously had a great career at Duke. He averaged almost 13 rebounds a game, which is still number one in Duke history. How much pride do you take in that, that all the players that have come through Duke, still Randy Denton is number one in rebounds per game in Duke history? Well, I can't. It's hard. I can't believe it, but it, I think I, I, it happened, and it's still there after 51 years. And, you know, all these guys coming through now, they only play a year, mm-hmm. and and I keep thinking some guy's going to come in and average 15 rebounds for one year and leave. Is that fair to me? In, anyway, that's just stuff I put in my mind, but it, it's an honor to still have that record. Um, and I, Another, I think this was uh, mentioned somewhere along the line, that I had six games of 
at 2020. That's mm-hmm. 20 points at 20 rebounds. It's very difficult to get 20 rebounds in a game. And I still got that record. That's six times that occurred. Uh, and we only played 88 games. These kids now play in 125, 130 games if they stay. Uh, so I'm really, really kind of happy about that one too. So those two records mean a lot to me. I'm curious though, because it, you know, not everyone can be a good rebounder. And obviously you've got some height. I understand that, but what was your philosophy when it comes to rebounding and how do you go about being a good rebounder? Good rebound. I, I, here's how it is. I, I was just an average defensive rebounder, but I, I just, when I was on offense and I had the ball, um, of course <laughs> I didn't have many assists. So I, I, I was going to shoot. I had a knack for shooting and, I just seemed to figure out and know where the ball if it was going to go in or not and what side it may come off of. So I guess my knack was reading the shot about where it may come off and that had me get a lot of offensive rebounds. And I think, I think that's an advantage I have. I just had that little knack of knowing where the ball was coming off. And that's all I can tell you, and it just worked out that way. Is that something you worked at, Randy, or was that kind of like a innate ability that you had? Did not work at it. That had to be an innate ability because I could just see when I got maybe junior and senior in high school, that was happening more and more. I was, I was getting a lot of offensive rebounds, you know, more than any other guys were getting. And so it had to be just a kind of, like you said, an innate reaction, I think. Do you have a game or a memory that stands out from your Duke career for your four years? Um, yes, I do. There's three or four big ones, but I think the best one would be, let me think, it would be, December of 1969, University of Kentucky had this, I guess it was called Wildcat Classic. They're the Kentucky Wildcats. And I didn't even know this at the time. They were ranked number one. We went up to the tournament. Um, I can't remember who we beat the first game, but we played Kentucky in the championship. At the, It was on their court. And they had their, their support, and they had the referees, too, as it turned out. Adolph Rupp was coaching. He got, he got a, lot, a, lot, a lot of nice home calls. But anyway, we had a little guard named Dick DeVenzio. And Dick was a great passer. And that night, we had a great connection, and I had uh, 28 points and 21 rebounds wow. against Dan Issel, who, well, he's one of the top players of all time. Um, and we lost. We lost by like 12. But that, to me, was the best performance I had um, as a player through, through the years at Duke. Yep. You were drafted in the fourth round of the 1971 NBA draft by the Boston Celtics, but signed with the Carolina Cougars instead. So for you, why the ABA versus the NBA? Well, the only the main difference was uh, the uh, Asian I had out of Duke. And they were, we were lucky enough to be drafted by both leagues. Red Auerbach, who was then the coach at the Boston Celtics, called me um, towards the end of my senior year. It must have been about April or May, or April of 67, or excuse me, 71. Called me directly. He said, you know, we drafted you. see some potential there. Uh, we want you to come up to camp this summer. There's no guarantees, you know. And, and I think Bill Russell was still playing. It's like, we're not going to give you no-cut contract. You're going to have to earn your way for that. And then I was contacted, uh, you know, by the agent that he could get me a no-cut contract in the ABA. And that's why I went to the ABA because at least I was going to get some guaranteed money. Well, you played six seasons from 71 to 77. We mentioned Carolina played in Memphis, Utah, the Spirits of St. Louis, and then the Hawks. 11, yes. 11 and a half points, over eight and a half rebounds per game. What what made you so successful as a professional, Randy? Well, I mean, I was doing much of the same stuff it was at Duke. It just became I, – I couldn't put up those stats and, and that I had at Duke. Um, I don't know. I learned one thing that – I started off at Carolina. I was drafted by Memphis, but like you said, I was, I was picked up by Carolina. I was traded for it and went to Carolina because I'm a local guy. And then I played there like two months, and then I was traded back to Memphis. 
And the thing I figured out is if you don't play, you don't have any value. You're not even trade material. So you can play and play well, but that doesn't mean you're going to stay on that team. It gives you value and that team trades you. And I couldn't, that's in retrospect, that's how I looked at it. Not at the time that it happened, but I, I was glad to go to Memphis, Chris, because I had a good career, two and a half years. Um, you know, the team couldn't make it, couldn't sustain it because it just was not a basketball town. We didn't have the support. Um, and then Utah was a great experience too. There again, until the owner, um, the guy's name was Bill Daniels, could not k- keep the team financially anymore. And then the then we four of us went to St. Louis, as you mentioned. I played for the Spirits of St. Louis. Four of us went there, and then lo and behold, then it was all it all fell apart because the NBA absorbed four teams, and you know the dispersal draft. And, it, that's that's where it went. So I played with Atlanta one year um, for Hubie Brown. Hubie was my de- – it was a defensive coach at Duke under Bucky Waters was I was there. And so I played for him a year. And for whatever reason, it just I just didn't get much playing time. I, I played decently to start with, but he made some changes, and I kind of got kind of pushed down towards the end of the bench. And then I played in Italy for two years, and that was it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Italy because I wanted to ask you about playing in the Italian league for a couple of years. How did you go from playing for the Atlanta Hawks to going to play in Italy for two years? Well, that 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 end that year with the Hawks, I knew that was the end. I was, just, I was not going to get a new contract, so I was kind of in limbo. And I literally got a call. My agent called somebody in Italy, and I got a call from the coach who coached a team called Kina Martini, which is in Torino, Italy, the very, very northwest portion of the country. So he flew over to Atlanta. Must have been, I think, in June of '77. Took me, we went to a little recreation center and I shot some baskets, some hook shots, some jump shots, some free throws. He said, We want you to come to Italy. And within a week, I had an offer. And the lower bowl, middle of August, we left to go to Italy. The family and I, we all went to Italy and uh, great experience, a lot of fun. Um, th- their idea of basketball training was like soccer to just run, 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 run. And I kept thinking we should be doing more because these were young kids on the team as well. There were kids like 18, 19. They need, need to be in the gym doing more shooting, rebounding, drills, shots, on-court stuff, because we all had endurance. We were all in pretty good shape. And that's what I disagreed with about the coach. And uh, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, but I, I, I made it two years, and I chose to, to leave. I just chose to back out of it, and that was it. I'm curious because you played basketball in the States your whole life until you went to Italy. So what was the biggest difference, if there was one, in the way the game was played in the States versus how it's played overseas in Italy? The only big difference was the foul line, the, the, excuse me, the, the, the free throw lanes would seem to kind of curve out. They were not they were not positioned like ours are over here. The other difference was you could shoot. If a shot went up and it went straight up out of the basket, just bounced straight up, you could go up and take that and just cram it down as in, as if it was a cylinder all the way up to the ceiling. So there was no goaltending. You didn't see a lot of goaltending because you could catch the ball in the cylinder above the rim and smash it back down. That was a big difference. And there were there were not many guys doing that, but there were some of us that could do it. And that was I saw it as an advantage offensively because you could just catch a ball on the fly and put it right back. There was no no you know error about whether it was a shot or not or, or dunk a good dunk. Let me ask you a couple of big picture things as we start to wind up here. As someone who was born in Raleigh, has played basketball at the highest level in our state, why do you think North Carolina is such a basketball crazy state? What makes the basketball in our state so good? Well, I think the first and foremost is the the environment, the college environment that we have, Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh, those that that area produced a lot of 
those are schools that get the best players. If you're a player in high school, you want to go to one of those schools. Duke and Carolina sort of dominate. So to me, it's the attraction of playing for a great program such as Duke, such as Carolina, and even such as State. Then you got Wake Forest. Was they've been off and on, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, for all these years, but they're in the picture too. So I think it's an attraction to want to play at one of those schools if you're a basketball player. I think that's it. Uh, for you, as you look at the game now, the college game, the professional game, whatever, uh, the game of basketball has changed and evolved so much since you played. What do you yeah. what do you see as the biggest differences in the game versus when you played it? And is there maybe one or two things you want to see changed about the game moving forward? Well, you know, I, I don't see any major differences except the, uh, of course, the three point line became a the ABA put the three point line in. They got that. That was a gift they gave to the NBA because the NBA uses three-point line. So a lot of guys, there's a lot of long shots going up, um, and there's a lot of – it seems like at the pro level, if you're a star, you you can't play 82 games 110%. Mm-hmm. I don't think your body can take it. I don't care if you're 23 or 33. You, you just it's, – it's too much wear and tear. So sometimes you're going to see some lulls and some of these stars – Play playing time because they're tired and they need a little to regenerate a little bit. So that's the biggest thing. Now that that hurts the fans because if you're a a fan and you take your family to a game and got, you know gosh knows what you'll spend to get in a game and get food and parking and all that maybe two fifty three hundred dollars and the stars not really playing that much that night so that's a negative. Um, the other part, the, the the positive part is it's just. The amazing things these guys could do with the basketball, even from the foul line. And all I can think of when I played was a guy named Julius Irving, who was the darnest thing I ever saw on the basketball court that I was on the court with. They were doing, they're now doing those things routinely. And it just amazes me how athletic these guys are, particularly those guys that are six, seven, six, eight. They can just do everything, Chris. I've got two thoughts, and I'll let you go first. For someone, as I mentioned, who's born in Raleigh, lived in North Carolina your whole life, when you were yeah. inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame in 2014, what did that mean to you? Um, it, it was just – it was very emotional because I had grown up – I literally grew up about two miles from downtown Raleigh, and it was just – I never thought about it. And years and years went by, and I'm thinking, that's probably not something I'm ever going to have, you know, honor to be in. But when it, when it became reality, I was – I was first shocked, was truly honored. I felt truly blessed, and it, it, it's a high, high honor. And I wear the ring a lot, and people ask, well, "What's that ring?" And I explain it to them, and they say, "It must feel great to be in there." It's a, it is. A, it's a great feeling to be part of the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. All right, it really la- is. Last thought: If you could kind of go back now and see your eight-year-old self, what's the uh, biggest piece of advice you would give to your eight-year-old self now, as someone who's been through all you've been through professionally? <laughs> Now, after all the years have gone by and I'm seeing things different, I would tell uh, if it was my kid, because I, I don't have children that, that age anymore, but you know, tell if you really want to play, you're going to need to stay motivated, find out a way to, to practice some every day. Um, you got to want it. Um, you may not think you're good now, but you just got to keep working at it. It's a daily thing. You can't play one day and take off six. It doesn't work that way. So I tell kids, if you really want to play, this is what you'll have to do put the time in that's perfect randy thank you so much for the time and for what you do for the hall of fame thank you so much chris i really appreciate you calling thanks to randy for his time on the podcast this week and thanks as always to you for joining us on 15 minutes of fame for the north carolina sports hall of fame i'm chris edwards